0: That's what ignites me. What ignites me is how could we be of service, not only to our business community, but to our students, to our faculty, to administration in general, to you know fill in the blank. I think as a community college, we historically have been looked at as a place of growth, as a place of mobility, as a place of professional development. We serve multiple communities and we serve multiple demographics within our communities. I get to play in this space. I get to innovate in this space. I get
1: to create in this space. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education but we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi,
0: I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Vice President of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and
1: co-host of this podcast.
0: And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers,
1: the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together. And it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barcy. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. If you've ever been curious about how you can be of service to not only your community, but your community's future, then we have solutions for you in today's discussion. In this episode, we turn the tables on our host, Salvatrice Kumo, as she becomes the coveted guest, interviewed by our guest host, Leslie Thompson, Director of Operations at EWD. With Salvatrice's new role as Vice President of the Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College, we take a dive into how they approach their initiatives, identify and work through barriers, and how we can all work together to fuel our future of work.
2: Hi, and welcome back to the Future of Work podcast. I'm Leslie Thompson, Director of Operations of Economic and Workforce Development here at Pasadena City College. I'm today's guest host, and I'm interviewing your usual host, Salvatrice Kuma, who is now the Vice President of Economic and Workforce Development here at Pasadena City College. We're going to be talking about the journey that led her to this place and some of the initiatives we're we're working on going forward. Salvatrice, welcome.
0: Hi, how are you?
2: This is great. I mean, how is it for you to be in the hot seat now? You get I know. to know it meet. feels
0: it feels a little awkward, I have to admit. It does.
2: Oh, I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great. I love this. Well, let's jump right in, if that's okay with you. Sure. First of all, let's start big picture, defining what we do here at EWD, how this impacts the future workforce. If you can give us kind of a an overarching view of economic and workforce development. I know we've done that before on the podcast, but mm-hmm. but relevant to this conversation. When we
0: say economic and workforce development for a community college, it really lies in two very simple goals, upskilling the existing workforce and producing new workforce, a new talent pipeline. But the devil is in the details. I think for us, when we think about upskilling the existing workforce, it's what trainings do we have for our existing employees? What relationships do we have with employers, where we precisely know the talent gaps that they have, the service needs, the trends that are happening within their sectors, and any other barriers that they might be facing with a talented workforce. When we examine, you know, producing new talent for the workforce, that new pipeline, it's how are we as a division influencing curricula design? How are we informing our college, our faculty members, our administration on trends, on the gaps that the employers are sharing with us, the talent needs that the employers are sharing with us, the intersections between workforce systems? And that's, that's, I would say that's a part three, but the two main parts is really producing a talented workforce and then upskilling the existing workforce. Nice, like I said earlier, the devil's in the details, and there's so much programming and strategy work that happens with that. But the third biggest component when I think about our work and EWD as a whole here at PCC is how are we braiding services offered by the community, services offered by our region? How are we? How are we braiding everything so that our community members can leverage the institution in, in all its capacities? You know, you think about, I'm employee Sally who works at, you know, XYZ company. My employer might need something different from me. They might, they might want me to be trained in a very specific software. They might want me to brush up on my customer service skills. Well, how do, how do they lean on PCC? But then how do they lean on the workforce development boards? How do they lean on the city? And so for Sally, right, like she's not going to know, he or she is not going to know how to leverage all the entities. So it's up to the entities to connect and to integrate services and products so that the end user really only has to go to one place. And I think that that's really kind of big picture where we want to be as an institution leading workforce
2: development for this region. Well, that's no small feat. It is not. Well, tell me about that. About your role as the new VP. So, first of all, how long have you been the VP? I believe three months now. Three months. And how has this new position changed your your goals? I know that you, as the as the executive director, you always had a big vision for the department. And we continue to grow and we continue to do all these great things. All the things you discussed have been on our radar. What does your new role as the vice president of economic and workforce development mean for all that?
0: That's a really good question. I, You know, being three months into this role, I would have to say that it's just doing more of it, right? It's doing more of capturing these really large scalable opportunities and bringing them to campus. For example, one of the biggest projects that we're super proud of is being chosen to lead the Los Angeles Regional Consortium of Community Colleges. So when we think about that at scale and what that means, it's not just about PCC, it's about everyone else who serves our community it's about the intersections that I shared you know talked about a little bit earlier. It's about connecting. It's about integrating. It's about all those things that are that sound really simple but are super complex when you look at our systems. And even though I mean even community college was within one system, each community college has their local focus. And so how do we take all respective community college local focuses and build it up? into developing and sustaining our Los Angeles County. When I think about my role, I think about it in those terms, not only through the lens locally, but it's through the lens of the region. What could we do within our reach? System change. We know we've talked about system change for a really long time in our community colleges. You know, I feel like luck is really kind of on my side simply because of the way our economy is, because of what we experienced in the last 2 years this beautiful opportunity that we have in leading this region layered with the the volume of talent that resides here at PCC and the volume of talent that resides in the county I feel like I'm uniquely positioned so it's not it's not just me it's it's really everyone around that's doing this work but where I was leading with that was you know it's time to do business just a little bit differently and Our economy is allowing us to do that. we were kind of forced into doing things a little bit differently. And that was beautiful. That was a beautiful thing. We were forced to examine how we process. We were forced to examine what we produce. We were forced to monitor what we produce and what we say. We were forced to really take a look at our outcomes and be critical about, you know, are we really doing XYZ. And so, in doing more of this regional work within my current role, again, it allows all of the colleges, specifically PCC 2 we will see greater work and greater scale of this work when it's all done in collaboration with the the multiple systems that are offered here in the county mean the county is massive. I had the had the pleasure of interviewing Kelly Lobianco, who is the executive director of economic and workforce development for the county. And it was refreshing and exciting to hear. And she's, you know, four months into her role too. So it was really refreshing and exciting to hear what is possible for our county. And so in a nutshell, Leslie, I think, not I think, I know that in this particular role, I have the ability to really examine and tinker and test on what is possible. What is possible with PCC? What is possible with our community college system? And what is possible with us as practitioners in this space for the county? I think that's, this is a really exciting time. I, I know we went through a lot. We went through a lot this last couple of years. Our entire world went through a lot in the last couple of years. But there's so... Much room for growth in the next five years, uh, and I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited for our community members to leverage it.
2: That's great. You talk about the need for systems change, and one of the questions I wanted to to ask you was about your career trajectory that led you to higher education, because I know that you weren't always in higher ed, and I don't know that you always imagined that you would be in higher ed uh, when you started your career. Can you tell us a little bit about that trajectory and how you ended up in higher ed?
0: Every position I've ever had in my career has been about solving a problem. I'm a builder and I'm a problem solver, period. And so how I really landed in higher education, I think for, for two main reasons, to be of service to my community and to solve a problem. When I first onboarded at PCC, I was the director of the Small Business Development Center. And at the time, it was a new center. It literally just got approved. And so I had the ability to really build the program, build the center. But what was beautiful about it is I got to work with the businesses in our community. Not just Pasadena, but the entire San Diego Valley. It led to really understanding the pulse of our community. It led to understanding the voices of our employers. And so when when there was opportunity to scale in the space, and I had the opportunity to interview for it and, and chosen for the position as the Executive Director of Economic Workforce Development, I thought, this is really great because I can now do even more of it. And not just, you know, business assistance, but business assistance plus, 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 plus. And I also got to just kind of, the, the flip side of that is I got to work more internally and understand instruction and understand student services and understand the non-credit side of the house and really understand all of the pieces of the engine, right, that make up a community college. And so it was super eye-opening for me to really kind of understand the, you know, understand higher ed. But I point I didn't come from higher ed. I didn't I did not think that higher education was an option for me within my career trajectory. I came from the private sector. Then I went to corporate. Then I went to nonprofit. And it was, it was really within my nonprofit work that led me to PCC because it shared with me the needs and the desires of our business community. And that's kind of what led me here to begin with. But then once I got here, I thought, oh my goodness, like there's so much more that we could be doing. There's so much more room to be of service. And that what, that's what ignites me. What ignites me is how could we be of service, not only to our business community, but to our students, to our faculty, to administration in general, to you know, fill in the blank. I think you know, as a community college, we historically have been looked at as a place of growth, as a place of mobility, as a place of professional development. We serve multiple communities and we serve multiple demographics within our communities. I get to play in this space. I get to innovate in this space. I get to create in this space in a way that I didn't think was possible because I just didn't know. But now that I know, it's like, aha, like I get to, you know, so, you know, I, you know, I've shared this with you multiple times. How many times have I said this? Like I'm a major popcorn head. You need an idea. I got one for you. Right. 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 And, and that's, and that's what academia is you know academia should be a place to innovate and create and test and if it works great let's do more of it if it doesn't okay we've tested it let's move on let's figure out something else and so the fact that I get to do that in this environment I I couldn't ask for anything more I really couldn't we're very very I'm very very blessed uh, to be here
2: that's awesome I agree with you. Academia should be the place for us to do all those things. But sometimes, you know, folks are set in their ways and rules are in place. And just given that the environment we work in is often regulated, and we deal with various restrictions that can make change slow, we talked Mm. about the need for change, uh, particularly in this work, the need to be, you know, flexible, nimble and responsive. So I was wondering, given that the environment we work in is often regulated um, and we deal with various restrictions that can make change slow, how do you as a creative with an entrepreneurial spirit show up and affect change as a leader in this space? That's got to be a challenge.
0: I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't a struggle for me in the beginning in working within the walls of higher education. But I'll tell you what, the quicker I accepted it, the quicker i was able to innovate so i think for me and and I, and I can't speak for anyone else i think for me it was understanding and accepting what the parameters were or are then it's about working with like-minded professionals that have the same drive the same ambition the same attitude about being of service to our community you know like i said earlier I think we're really you and I particularly Leslie like we're we're uniquely positioned in an institution that believes in that and fosters that and supports it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so for us it it's probably a little bit easier to, to to innovate and create because Pasadena's culture is really about that I mean we sit in the middle of the entrepreneurial ecosystem PC Pasadena is the mecca right of of the startup community and the entrepreneurial spirit. So we we're kind of in it. Like, you know, our culture is about it, our environment is about it, our city is about it. So it's so it's a little bit different for us, but we still obviously have regulations. We still obviously have rules that we've got to follow and everything like that. But it's but it's about what can I do? I mean, here's here's what I do. Is I take a look at, okay, well what do we have to deliver? What's going to get in our way? <laughs> And then what do I create that allows me to still be within alliance of what our regulatory alliance? So I'm, I'm in line, right? We're not, we're not breaking any rules. And then, and then how do I get there? And then I start mapping, how do I get there? And between what we need to solve and what my idea is that, how do I get there? That's when, that's when you start looking for champions. That's when you start looking for partner solutions. So it's not always internal. It's employers. It's economic development agencies. It's our cities. Our external partners play a huge role in the work that we do. They're influencers. Not only are we trying to help solve a problem for them, but they're helping, you know, solve a problem for us as well. And so I think that back to your question about like, well, well, how do you, how do you ideate? How do you create in a space that's highly regulated acceptance and then just figure out different strategies on how to get there that, you know, it's really it, but we got to have the champions and our, and our strongest supporters, Leslie, I think you've seen it, right? Our strongest supporters have been our colleagues, have been our partners, partners like LAEDC, the San Diego Valley Economic Partnership, LA Chamber. Pasadena Bioscience Collaborative, the City of Pasadena. The, I can go on and on and on. And why? Because we're all serving this, our community. Mm-hmm. So there's no need to compete. There's a greater need to integrate. There's a greater need, and I, and not to use the word collaborate loosely. Everyone and anyone can collaborate. But how do you implement? How do you execute? You do that when you start actually formulating integration. The state is looking in that direction, which makes it, you know, a little easier for us at, at ground level, right? As as institutions, between the federal government, the state, and then us here locally, as I shared earlier, we're, we're in a really unique position that it's welcomed and it's refreshing, I think, to even the students that we serve and our community members that we serve, that we're not afraid to really examine things and, and do things a little bit differently.
2: No, it's great. I'd like to think ahead a little bit, touching on some of the things that uh, you already brought up in the beginning. Uh, What do you hope to accomplish as the Vice President of Economic and Workforce Development, specifically the overarching goals you have for the division as a whole, and then what goals you have for each area under your leadership? Mm
0: -hmm. That's a very big question, Ms. Thompson. (laughs) Yes, I'm not going to be shy and say that big picture the overarching goal is really to have a workforce development hub a one-stop shop for le- lack of better terms a place where community goes and in one location they can get business assistance for their for their small business for their for their venture they can access new talent they can capture trainings for their existing talent They can take courses that leads them to higher wage occupations. They can have, our students can have internship experiences with all, really all players here in, in, uh, all employers here in this space. Really a centralized, a centralized location for all of this work to happen. And I'm proud to say that it's not just a wish list on my part, but it's also the intentions of the college and specifically our president's vision to have a centralized location, a workforce hub that demonstrates the integration that I was talking about earlier, where our community members know exactly where to go, our students know exactly where to go, our advocators know exactly where to go. You know, so just a centralized hub. for workforce development is where we want to go. So when I think about the pillars, right, like each pillar, each one of the pillars in economic workforce development would reside in that space and their work would be magnified and amplified. I see PCC extension expanding into more the workforce customized training. I see the Freeman center having a satellite location in each of the satellite campuses I see the Small Business Development Center having satellite locations as well, but I also see them as regional leaders in this space. I also see for SBDC an entrepreneurial center, an entrepreneurship center here on the the PCC campus, Colorado campus, excuse me. I see work-based learning expanding into not only the credit side, but non-credit even further Embedded within our workforce development system and board, our workforce development board. I see a customized training, a, a workforce training center where employers can come in and discuss and figure out, where we could figure out training specifically for their employees um, in a very customized approach. I see us amplifying the work with our ETP program. I see us being a training site There's, there's so much, there's so much that's possible and we're slowly but surely getting there, I think. But now is the time to really kind of centralize that focus in that space. And, and, and when we talk about the future of work, right, like this is, this podcast is about the future of work. In order for us to excel, to be leaders in the space of future of work, we also have to make it easier for our community to engage with us in order to prepare them for the future of work. So the less barriers to entry, right? The more we can bring those down, then the easier it is for us to be change agents in the space of future of work. The future of work changes constantly. I mean, when we think about even us, you know, 10 years ago, L.A. County 10 years ago is not the same L.A. County now. Pasadena 10 years ago is not the same Pasadena 10 years ago. I would even say five years ago. So in order for us to be, you know, maybe touching back on a little bit of what you said earlier about relevancy and being nimble and accessible, well, we also have to have our space, our physical space has to represent that too. Can you even imagine? I mean, you know, here I am in an employer. Well, where do I go? There's so many points of entry as an employer. Sure. We need we need one point of entry to our to our college, and then it's up to us to 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 create the the services for them. It's it's up to us to demonstrate what is possible and what what they can leverage with us as an institution. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. And and I don't want to say oh this is this is big picture five years from now. I work in two two to three year increments. I would say that this is a two year this is a two year mark. That's where I want to be. That's where we should be if if. if if we really want to scale and amplify this
2: work. So what I'm hearing is we've got a lot of stuff to do. Yes, we do. That's all I'm hearing is like, it's a lot of work.
0: Yes, it is a lot of work. Welcome. Yes. Yes.
2: Yes. Well, you know, thanks. Um, (laughs) I I think it's great. And one of the reasons I was really excited to actually guest host and interview you is because I know a few things, not just some of the stuff we're talking about, but I know how hard you work. I know... What kind of visionary you are? I know some of the barriers you've had to overcome to get where you are, and you talked a little bit about barriers in the last response. And I just wanted to kind of address that again um, mm-hmm. because I think that that um, eliminating barriers is key in every single thing we do mm-hmm. um, at every point of contact. Not just for employers, but for students, but for employees, but at mm-hmm. every point of contact, every group that we hope to benefit through our work there needs to be this component of eliminating barriers. And I know that you know personally what it's like to have to overcome barriers. And I wondered if you could reflect on that a little bit, maybe discuss some of the barriers you've had to overcome and how those experiences helped you form your own approach towards eliminating barriers for others.
0: Again, another loaded question, Ms. Thompson. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Gosh, where do I start? Well, perhaps I should start with first gen, uh, English was not my first language, and, and I'm not unique. It's, I, uh, clearly, that's not unique to me alone. But I do have to say that as a as a product of immigrant parents, it was very clear to me that if I wanted to make a mark, I need to work really, really hard. And that goes true for everybody. But maybe there might be listeners where this resonates. But I witnessed the barriers that my parents faced in workforce. I witnessed the barriers that they faced just navigating this world, this, this state, this, you know, this anything. I also witnessed family members, including my own, my own family members that were entrepreneurs that in order to survive in this space, because they didn't fit in the workforce, traditional workforce, they created their own. I witnessed the trials and tribulations. I was part of, I was part of it. And so when I think about witnessing my parents navigate this world, witnessing my brothers navigate this world, witnessing my family members navigate this world, for me, by the time I came along, it was, it was not only was I in it and I witnessed everything, but it was also very clear to me that I had to be of service to the community. I took it, it, I took it really personal, actually, I took it personal that that I needed to look at this system of business of entrepreneurship of workforce development through the lens of a business owner through the lens of you know an immigrant family through the lens of you know filling the bank and for for me that was really telling so as I navigate through my career and being a witness to every to being a witness to it all of the trials and tribulations that not only my family faced, but just being in, in workforce development, when it comes to developing programs, when it comes to solving problems internally and externally, when it comes to fill in the blank, my approach is I look through the lens of what are the barriers first? Not only just, yes, this is what's possible. This is the problem we could. this is a problem we can solve. And here's a solution to that problem. But in the upfront, what are the barriers that we're going to face? Are we going to face transportation issues? Are we going to face funding issues? Are we going to face barriers to entry? Are we going to face, you know, just kind of feeling, there's so many barriers to the space. But I think for my own barriers, like my own personal barriers that I've witnessed, I'm not young now, Leslie, I need to tell you that. I'm not young right now. Thank
2: you for clarifying.
0: But when I entered this space, it was you're you know you're too young you don't get it you don't understand how could you possibly know
2: you're just a girl
0: you're just a girl yeah how could you possibly so because because the space of work economic and workforce development yeah. is is predominantly male when I first started now it's it's changed I mean I mean it's only been like eight years let, let's be honest but even in that eight years it's changed dramatically and I love that I absolutely love that. And the biggest, I guess, tool, the biggest saving grace in facing the obstacles and the barriers, not only personally, but professionally, has always been about curiosity, constantly curious. And and that's my advice to students. That's my advice to other professionals in this space. Like, let's be more curious about what is possible. Let's be more curious about uh problem solving and finding solutions. Let's be more curious about what is possible and what solutions can we solve. And I think that that's kind of what's always been my saving grace is going back to A, being of service, B being curious. C, I would have to say totally being competitive, because that's just that's just (laughs) who I am, just competitive. With myself, by the way. And and D, just having a lot of pride. Just having a lot of pride in the space, having a lot of pride in the work.
2: Well, speaking of being curious, how can people get involved in the work we do? Some of our partners, educators, policymakers, individuals, students that are listening. How can the listener get involved in some of the things you're talking about uh, and mm-hmm. express their curiosity for solving these problems? How
0: they can really get involved is to first maybe personally assess, like, you know, what what can I bring? What do I bring to the table? am i am i bringing a resource am i bringing talent am i bringing treasure am i bringing time you know what what do i as someone who wants to be involved in this space like what do i bring we are acknowledging and we are demonstrating the opportunities in this region And so in order to to fulfill those opportunities, in order to seize those opportunities, we definitely need partners. We're always looking for employers to help guide curriculum. We're always looking for employers to help house new talent via internships, via job placement, via other work-based learning experiences. We are always looking for employers to sit in our advisory committees we're always looking for employers just to simply share, like let, like talk to us. What's happening? What is the pulse within not only within your establishment, but within the city that you serve, within the industry that you are in? We're also looking for students, to students to tell us what they care about. What are they, what barriers are they facing? How are we better, how are we better serving or how can we best serve our students? How could we be of better support? to our faculty members, like share that information. So, so the long answer to that is what I just shared. The short answer is we are constantly, we are in a constant state of improvement, right? Like that's, that's just the way we operate at EWD. If it's not working, let's fix it. And if it is, let's do more of it. But in order to understand if we're doing it right, we need feedback, So um, if there's ideas that are kind of percolating out there amongst faculty members, great, share with us. If there's ideas even among students about about their their own entrepreneurial spirit, about their own career trajectory, about their own um, aspirations and curiosities, come to us. If employers need assistance in some capacity or could be of service to our institution, please come to us. So there's many, many ways to be involved I would just say to the listener, I think if you're more cu- if you're curious about this work and how you can engage, just reach out directly, reach out directly to myself, and I'm sure those that information will be in the show notes. and if you want if anyone wants to align with our community college, I'm always happy to listen and and always happy to see if there's a if there's a natural fit. and there's always there's always going to be a natural fit. We're, we're higher education. that's what we're here to do.
2: Excellent. Well. I want to thank you for taking the time to sit with us today to actually sit in the hot seat and let me host and interview you. Thank you. Totally my honor. And thank you also for the leadership you provide in this space. Congratulate you again on your post as vice president of economic and workforce development. I think it's pretty awesome. And I think our listeners are kind of getting the idea that you do a lot of stuff besides host this podcast. So. (laughs) There's a lot going on, and uh, I'm super excited, not just about the future of work, but the future of our work here at PCC, and uh, I'm here for it. Sign me up, and so thank you again for uh, spending the time with us.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things future of work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you
1: safety and wellness.